or lose. At the Skull Purple Podcast, we are here to analyze the game, answer your questions, cry with you, or celebrate together. It's the Fan Express Line, presented by the Skull Purple Podcast, and it starts now. Welcome to the Skull Purple Podcast, and uh, once again, here we are in the 2023-24 Minnesota Vikings regular season, and uh, once again, gentlemen, uh, not a great result, but if there's a silver lining, we're 0-2 in one-score games. Uh, Wait, that's not a silver lining, is it? Uh, Joining me (laughs) tonight is Tony and Mike. Um, gentlemen, how we feeling? Um, you guys uh, look a lot more chipper than what I expected. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, I'm kind of used to it <laughs> now. I mean, really, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm happy that tomorrow's Friday. There's that. Um, we got yeah, that true. going for us. Uh, and I know we'll get into all the takes, but yeah, so not, not great. I think I'm in almost like a like a state of denial at this point, um, just because it's hard to play as good, but also as badly all at the same time. And it's just very weird uh, as a Vikings fan. It's just a new kind of challenge. So, uh, you know, we'll get into all the details, but that's kind of how I'm feeling. Just a little... It's a little shocked, but maybe unsurprised. That makes sense. Yeah, Mike, how I you mean, doing there, buddy? It's uh, I'm doing great. Um, all things considered, right? I think the yeah, worst right. part about it is we have to wait uh, so long for the next game. You just got to feel this. I don't know what the feeling is, but you got to feel it for a lot longer. And just wish there was a quicker turnaround. But that's what we felt last week. So here we are. Here we are. Indeed. Yep. Here we are indeed. Yeah, Carson actually um for all of everybody that's watching um he was really excited about this game and uh, I thought he was in a great mood. He really enjoyed himself. He told me on multiple occasions he wishes all the games were just like this. That's right. I hope we turn the ball over four times every week and uh you know, make it exciting in the end. That's all we want, right? We want it to be exciting. We don't care if we win or lose. That is false. We want this team to win a freaking championship. Dang it. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I mean, I've heard, of, I've heard of a lot of uh, different schemes out there. Like I've heard of the air raid. Uh, there's the West coast. Uh, I think this is the first time have I've you seen... heard of the Kirk raid though. The Kirk yeah, well, raid. I was going to say, this is the first time I've seen of uh, the hot potato offensive scheme. Uh, <laughs> so it's just, Hey, hey we never know when it's coming out. It's just going to just come and pop on out. It's the, that's that Brett Favre offense. <clears throat> yep. 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 That's uh, the 2009 NFC championship game offense, right? Yeah. Well, I was just more or less, I was just more or less referring to his Wrangler jeans. So, but the adults can oh. figure out what that means. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family friendly show, in case anybody forgot. Um, he does. He used to be the spokesperson for <laughs> Wranglers. There's nothing weird about that. Right. Yeah. Unless you make it weird. All yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, uh, as you file in here, hopefully we get plenty of people ready to discuss their thoughts and feelings. Please comment in the comment section your thoughts. Please let us know your takes, the hottest takes, the coldest takes, all the takes in the comment section here on YouTube. Um, gentlemen, 34 to 28, four turnovers by the Vikings in this game. Um, once again, Justin Jefferson does his thing, even on Darius Slay, um, who we know he struggled against a season ago. But uh, Vikings get the get the uh, L, regardless of JJ's big day once again. Um, and again, the four turnovers, they could not stop a nosebleed on or a they couldn't catch a cold. I don't know how you want to phrase how bad the run defense was in this game, but it was terrible. And I think Brian Flores maybe knew that it would be. And he was mainly trying to stop the big plays in the passing game and hoping that that would be enough. Because here's the thing that Eagles, we got to give credit to that Eagles offensive line. It's really good. And so we have to say, start with that. But also I, I was in another group chat during the, sh during the game. And I think the Vikings might have a bottom five outside of Daniel Hunter, a bottom five defensive line in football right now. It is that bad. Like nobody on that defensive line for Minnesota other than Hunter is average or, or above average. So, um, Curious your guys' thoughts on those first few things, and then we'll um, then we'll expose some more uh, stuff here. But uh, we'll start with Mike on this one. What do you think? Um, obviously, JJ did what he did, but you know Addison had the big play, same as he did last week. But then he's kind of not there for most of the game. I, you don't even see him in the picture. You know, it's just he kind of disappears and then shows up for a big play. And uh, KJ, obviously, dropping everything. And he's a good receiver. We need him to make those plays. And that's what you're there for. And he didn't. So our receiver room is great. But they haven't been playing together. It's one or the other. And it's mostly JJ. Uh, so I'm a little bit surprised you didn't see more going to those guys this, this week. But sometimes that's just how it is. And the D-line, you mentioned D-line looked bad, played bad. I think a lot of it was um, the defensive scheme, like you said, as well. It, we're going to play coverage. We're going to, you know, hope to stop the run and force them to pass. But we never got out of it. Sometimes we had our second middle linebacker out in the slot trying to fake blitzes, and it, which is great. But then you're leaving your 3D lineman and one middle linebacker who's already undersized. So they fit their gaps well and then once that running back can bounce out once that gap's filled we had nobody to fill the the bounces and that's what they did all day long we made uh swift look like uh Le'Veon bell in his in his prime <laughs> and uh we know he's not that good he played really well today uh, surprisingly I, I was thinking throughout the whole game how did detroit not what how how weren't they able to use him the entire time there, like, like Philly did tonight. Yeah. Well, um, I think Philly's offensive lines probably a little better than the lions. And sure, yeah. uh, we also, we also saw too, that the lions were unable to use TJ Hawkinson, which we obviously know he's better than what the lions showed that they were able to do with him. So Tony, take it away. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Swift, uh, I thought this is where you're going to go with it, Mike, but um, the guy's just never been able to stay healthy. Like, he can't stay on the field, right. you know? So uh, I felt like all of a sudden, by the fourth quarter, he was just going to, like, shatter like glass or something because <laughs> I've never seen Swift last that long without some sort of injuries. So uh, we'll see. He's a good back. Like, he's a, he's a guy that... Uh, is very very talented he just has had crazy injury issues throughout his career and just always and every time he started showing promise that's when the injury would happen so uh look i'm not wishing any ill will on deandre swift i'm just saying if if all of a sudden next week they're like oh and swift's down oh looks like it's an like an acl (laughs) like i mean it's so it'd just be something bad that'd be so on brand uh for swift so you know, it is what it is. Uh, I, I just think what what we saw tonight was a good offense with Philly. You know, I, I, I think one thing that we can't lose sight of, unlike last week, where I think we probably felt like from a talent perspective, the Vikings should have beaten the Buccaneers. This Eagles team is a good Eagles team. I mean, they they are a team that is not that indifferent from the Eagles that were in the Super Bowl, um, you know, less than a year ago. So to me, um, what do we got? We got a commenter. Uh, my we're willing to admit it was a fluke that the Vikings aren't really that good. So I would say this. I think the Vikings got really lucky in a lot of places last year. And we didn't shy away from that on the show at all. Um, I think we were pretty realistic about the fact that the Vikings became an incredibly lucky team as that year went on. Um, I will say this for run hard, get paid. I love the uh, name, by the way. Um, what a lot of people fail to remember is the year prior. So the 2021 uh, season, the Vikings were 0-8 in one score game. So again, it's one of those things where I get everybody's like, he needs to come back to the mean. Well, we So we what you're saying, hit. Tony... So what you're saying, Tony, is we're almost completely canceled out. <laughs> almost yeah. games. We've got one more game left. So what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, and, I, and it, it is what it is. So I mean, I, was, I just think that ultimately, and I said this before the season started, um, if the defense could be better, which I assumed they would be. Now again, low bar because <laughs> Vikings defense last year was horrid. Um, you know, they would be ultimately. A, a more well-rounded team this year, uh, ultimately a better team um, because they'd be a bit more balanced offensively, defensively. But given the circumstances of the fact that they weren't going to get as lucky as they were last year, we were playing a really hard schedule this year. Um, I felt they'd be a better team with a worse record. Now, so far, I don't, the first part of that statement is not true. Um, this team uh, has looked unprepared. This team has looked undisciplined. This team has looked um, not well coached overall the first two weeks. And I know that's being very critical, but it is true. Um, you don't make this many mistakes. And I get that sometimes things happen and and I get that, you know, but it's kind of like somebody that like always loses jobs over and over and over again. The first couple you're like, yeah, maybe that was a bad place to work. And then after like the fifth job that they can't keep, you're like, Hmm, I kind of think there's something weird with you. 
Um, and, and so it's kind of a similar deal with the Vikings right now. Like the first game was, ah, I mean, things happen. Now we get into this game and it's like, mm, this, this seems like it might be uniquely to this team problem. Um, and it does come down to discipline and it comes down to coaching. You know, one of the things that not to be long winded here, but I'm going to let you guys hopefully pick a lot of this apart. You know, we never had a discipline problem with Zimmer and I, and I, be the first one to tell you it was Zimmer's time to go, right? However, one of the issues with leaving the Zimmer regime and going to Kevin O'Connell was, you know, we were leaving a little bit of that disciplined football mentality behind. And I don't know about you guys, but at this point, we do look a bit undisciplined and it does seem to be an issue. So we've also lost a lot of the veterans that we're still a holdover from that regime. Um, and again, I would be the first person to say, you know, it was time for guys like Thielen to, to go. But, you know, there's something about not making these critical errors and mistakes. So to me right now, um, I saw somebody on Twitter. I'll leave you with this uh, here for a little bit and let you guys talk. They said, uh, does Flores make it through the end of the year? Uh, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Are you kidding? Are you it kidding? Was kind of, it was kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, there was some sarcasm. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm bad just, at picking that up on social media, especially. I mean, As the run, knows. the run defense was rough. So, I mean, I, I get that was kind of the, the cheeky nature of that tweet. Um, but I did respond and I said, I don't think Flores is really the problem. The question is, and of course, this was also very tongue-in-cheek here, does KOC make it to the end of the year? Um, and obviously he will. I'm not really thinking he wouldn't. But if we really think about it, like it's not looking good for the new regime right now. Things are looking very out of sorts. And you just can't make these mistakes. I mean, it's mistake. It's mistakes, guys. This isn't like they're not executing it legit is like they're playing sloppy football that just screams to me like there's a leadership problem and it's it's gonna stay that way and i get it's a perception but we got to get this thing back on the tracks so i'll shut my mouth now for a little bit well what i would say to that is that's the problem sometimes with players coaches right like these guys, they love their coach, KOC. They'd ride and die with him or whatever. But it's like you've got to find a way to be able to discipline your players in a way that is respectful, but yet also like they know who's boss. I feel like there maybe is a little too much buddy-buddy with KOC and his players. And I, I mean, not that that's totally a bad thing, but you have to have you have to draw a line as player-coach, right? Um, but, uh, I, I do kind of hear where you're going on that, Tony. So let me get to these comments. Um, what are the Eagles doing at the end of the game? What were they doing? Well, the Vikings had two timeouts and, uh, they wanted to make sure, um, that they ran as much time off as they could. There would have been less time running off the clock had they not, or had they taken knees instead of run the ball, running the ball takes a little bit more time off the clock. Mm. Um, so that's what I would say to that. Um, 
DeAndre Swift was always hurt in Detroit. Everything is pain. Viking Pete. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> we know that to be the case all the time. Um, yeah. And as Tony mentioned, we, we got you already on that run hard, get paid. We talked about that last year quite a bit, man. Um, the Vikings were sort of a fluke. Uh, I was believing that all the way until the Buffalo game. And then I should have just, um, said the Buffalo game was a fluke cause it kind of was, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then uh, minus turnovers. That's what I was just telling uh, Mike before uh, Tony came into the to the room. But uh, you take away these turnovers, and you can't. You can't take them away. I will repeat that all day long. You can't take the turnovers away. But if you did, even one, even the Jefferson one at the end of the first half, that's a ten point swing, a ten point swing right there, and that's just one turnover. Can we stop with this crap, please? Um, and then, uh, yes, I, I think he makes a good point. Uh, run hard, get paid, talking about the Chargers, and we'll talk about that. But, uh, yes, it's going to be very interesting to see because Austin Eckler, first of all, we'll see if he's healthy for that game. But also, the Chargers do have a solid running attack with Eckler and whoever else they've got there. So, it's going to be something to keep an eye on because, and maybe that was just part of the game plan because here's the thing. I thought last week, guys, the Vikings run defense was probably one of the best things about the team last week. Um, they averaged, the Bucks averaged like two and a half yards a carry um, on offense last week. So the run defense was not a problem a week ago, but tonight it was. And I think it's precisely because they were worried about giving up the big play down the field. Um, but also partly because of the Eagles offensive line and the Vikings inept defensive line, which we knew we knew the Vikings defensive line was not going to be good coming into the season or at least uh, average at best. Um, if you thought anything different, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, could have told you that one. Um, he's also a Detroit fan, so he's he's really hoping for our misery here. Uh, <laughs> who's, who's, who's Detroit play this next week? Um, that is a good looking question. Um, that was I a beautiful question. But, um, I guess uh, the next question I have for you guys while I look that up, actually, I'll just look it up right now. I've got it right in front of me here. Um, they play the Seahawks, so that could be a tough game if Seattle bounces back. That's another question. So. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll be a but, fun one. Uh, yeah, it's a nooner. It's a nooner yeah. for you, Tony. I mean, um, it, I don't know about I don't know about you ahead. guys, but there was a part of me like right after this game ended. And I thought to myself, you know what? One silver lining. I'm going to be able to watch football on Sunday. Stress free. I don't have to worry. That's, my team can't lose. That is exactly right. We can't lose. My uh, my old lady caught wind of no game Sunday, so she's already made plans <laughs> for me. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I gladly accept it. Are you going apple picking? <laughs> Holy crap! That's one of the things that we're going to do. She's super pregnant, but she can't. So I got to take the the kid. apple picking, and it's one of the things. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! That's I knew amazing. it. Yeah, they love to do that on Sundays. That's it's a Sunday activity. You're usually picking apples or some sort of gourd. 
pumpkin. <laughs> you know, that's right. That's right. All right, gentlemen. Um, next question. I want to talk to you a little bit about. Um, I guess. I guess this kind of goes back to the turnovers, but. Um, actually, you know what? Let's talk about the running game. The Vi- we talked about the run defense. Let's talk about the running game offensively. Three and a half yards per carry. Um, not great. Not great. Um, I'm surprised think, it's that much. Yeah. Well, I think a couple of runs towards the end of the game from Madison probably helped, but yeah, it, it does. It didn't even seem like they had that. I agree. Um, I'm just curious from your guys' perspective, how how concerned are you with this running game? And I think the biggest concern, obviously, as we stated last week, it's not Alexander Madison. It's this awful offensive line, um, especially when Christian Derrissaw went down today, and hopefully he recovers quickly because, boy, that you hate to see that. And then they got their third string guy out there because Udo's hurt and he's probably out for the season or hopefully not. But and then you bring in DQ, I call him now, uh, David Kiesenberry or Kiesenberry. Um, DQ, we're calling him DQ. Uh, that is final. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the running game? We'll start with Tony this time and go back to Mike. Yeah, we're going to call DQ Hot Eats Cool Treats. There we go. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously, again, I'm on social media, taking out my frustrations, not posting anything, just, just angrily looking at other people's posts. Oh, Um, I thought you were going to say typing it into the, into the tweet box and then deleting, which I've done before. Oh yeah. I do that a couple times. Uh, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, I I did see out there in the, especially the, the Twitter verse, the X verse, whatever, that uh you know people are of course like whoa where's dalvin that's working out for you real well blah 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 and it's just how he do monday night yeah i mean it's not a dalvin yeah actually you know what it looks about the same (laughs) like that's right that's the issue um at least this version is about 10 million dollars cheaper uh than, than the last version which literally had basically the same output uh, the problem isn't a Dalvin uh, to Madison issue. The problem is that we are getting we can't get any more production. It looks just as bad. That's where I'm angry about it. it has nothing to do with yep. really personnel at this point. Outside of again, as you mentioned, offensive line, but not at the running back position. So they've got to figure it out. It also doesn't help that they've dug themselves into these holes where they become a bit one dimensional. You know, you got to pass, you got to have these big strikes when you're again, constantly just pass the baton uh, randomly every once in a while. Like now we don't want the ball anymore. Uh, so it's just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. They'll hope I, I say they'll figure it out hopefully, but uh, at the same time, I mean, look at this point, we go a few more games like this. I'd just say, Let's just put Jaron Hall in and see what happens because <laughs> might as well start the collapse for Caleb. I'm starting it right now. Hashtag collapse for Caleb. I like that a lot. Um, I think obviously our run game isn't great, uh, but I think it's partly because of our uh, the run scheme seems like the weakest part of our line is the middle and 
we're trying to push the middle and, and pound the rock when then we're not built for that at all. And there was a few times we, we went outside, tossed sweeps, and they were successful. There was room there. Got those Dean linemen running out there, getting them tired, but we just didn't go back to it at all throughout the game when it was our only success running the ball at times, it seemed. Um, you know, it's we got to keep rolling. We, even though we get, we, we're getting behind and we make all these mistakes, we can't go away from it in the first half. I don't know how many carries we had, but it wasn't enough. And at that point, they're just going to start teeing off on our O line, and then they're struggling. You know, I bet Udo didn't even get injured. It's a, it's a, it's a Bradbury thing over again, man. I'm out of here. I'm just going to fall down and and get the stretcher out here. I'm going to make a scene of this. I'm going to get home, you know, and I'm going to be in better shape than if I played. But uh, it just looks like we're not going away from that middle run. And hoping Madison bounces it out like Cook. That's what we do miss with Cook is that ability to take that little bounce out uh, and just the threat of that with the defense, knowing that this the defense just crashes the middle and we're just putting our head down and trying to power through. And that's great when you need that, but it can't be every time we care. Madison looked scared to me. He looked hesitant, at least, not scared. And he got a shoulder injury at some point and looked like the next series he was in and it looked like he didn't want to mess with that. I don't know. It just Chandler was in there for one play. I saw got a, a stuffed at the line, but he looked better just in that zero run uh, yard gain. He looked better than Madison. Looked like he was lighter on his feet. Looked like he was hitting the hole uh, or could hit the hole. And we just used Madison too much. I don't know if he's a better pass blocker, if that's why we have him in there, I'm not sure, but he can't catch either. He kept wiping his gloves. He's dropping balls. It's just, he, I, he was one of my high points last week. One of my low points this week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with your assessment. I think that, uh, you know, with a lot of these guys too, there's high expectations and, you know, he's got some shoes to fill. He understands that everybody, this whole entire off season, has been asking him in every single interview, how are you going to do? How, how is it going to be filling in for Dalvin, right? Like, oh, I know we had Dalvin last year. How is it going to feel to be the the guy now? And, um, you know, things obviously haven't gone well. And then early in the game, you know, the ball gets punched out. And uh, look, yeah, you got to secure the ball. But it was also a good defensive play. Let's not act like it wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't like he was just out there going butterfingers with it. Um, so, Got to secure the ball, but the defender made a play. But I'm, I'm just saying there's a – I think it wouldn't be surprising to me if you see guys start to have some confidence things. I think that maybe – saw that a little bit with KJ. I mean, I know KJ got the touchdown when he was wide open there towards the end, but I texted this to this group earlier, um, especially after Addison had the long touchdown. I said Addison's eating his lunch right now. You know, um, people were all talking about who's the number two, who's the number two. I was pretty secure in, in saying that I think Osborne is the number two to start the year. But I put an over and under on uh, game five. I said over under was my bet on uh, when Addison becomes the number two. And it might be earlier than that. If you bet the under, you might be a winner. And KJ's all getting right. more opportunities, it seems like. He's just yeah. dropping them, not taking yeah. advantage of them. And that, that's yeah, going to change. By the way, 
Yeah, let's see if I've got that in here. Is there drops? Nope, there's not on this. But yeah, I think he had two or three drops tonight. But um, RC talks basketball and Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Clark, love it. Um, go Hawks. Um, horrible two games to start the season. I don't know if we're going to have a good season. Offensively, we're good. Defensively, we couldn't cover in a bed with two blankets on it. Um, <laughs> I don't like Kirk Cousins either. He's not a franchise quarterback, has never been. We've been net, we've been winning games with him. If we continue losing, you got to look at the defense and Kirk. Well, let me just say this. Kirk Cousins was not the reason the Vikings lost this game today. Four no. turnovers. One of them, one of them, I will say, his pocket awareness on the strip sack, that was absolutely brutal pocket awareness but other than that he played a really really good game he played a really really good game so um it's the turnovers man it's the turnovers and the inability to get the running game going and the inability to uh stop the run really um and then you know a couple of big plays in the passing game for philadelphia um but yeah, I and I'm not a Kirk defender. For anybody that's new coming in here, you should know I'm not a Kirk defender. I'm just saying what I saw tonight. I mean, he played well. Um, I actually don't disagree with your take in terms of finding a new quarterback for the future. The Vikings need to do that this offseason unless they think Jaron Hall is that guy. But um, he was not the reason they lost the game. And to your point, Mike, on K.J. Osborne, they got to they got to put him on the bench if he keeps doing this man. Like I mean I, I mean it was just one game and I know the pass last week, you know, whatever. You could chalk it up to him, you could chalk it up to Cousins or it was just a good play by the defense whatever. Um at the goal line last week against Tampa, but I I think if you can't start making some of these catches, not that they were like there was one that was a pretty big time catch if he made it. Another one, eh, not so much. But you got to put Jordan Addison in, get Hawkinson in, even Jalen Naylor for crying out loud. Like get, get some of these other guys opportunities, catch the ball. You know, I mean, obviously you don't want to burn your players confidence this early in the season, but at the same time, especially if you're losing like the way the Vikings were at one point, like you got to have guys out there that can catch, you know? And I, and I mean, KJ, we know I'm not, I'm not going to, maybe I'm being too hard on him. We know KJ's capable. It's just a matter of showing it and executing, right? Execution. That's always the thing. Like people that want to be hard on KOC, which I, I don't think you shouldn't be hard on KOC uh, based on some of this, the way it's unfolded, but he can call the perfect play, as I've said multiple times, and it does not matter one bit if the team does not execute, whether that's the offensive line, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's the wide receivers, Whoever, if somebody doesn't execute, that play does not matter. The play call does not matter. So, yeah. anyways, I'll throw back over to uh, to you, Tony, if you want to give any more thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I just, this team has to get out of its own way. At the end of the day, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of blame to be uh, given, uh, a lot of blame to go around for different players coaches schemes i mean there's just uh you know that's kind of what i mean i mean last year the one thing that we had uh certainly besides luck <laughs> we had a lot of that last year too 
uh, was generally we understood the deficiencies that we had and it was just more or less trying to overcome them right now. They're coming from everywhere. It feels like it feels like this team. I don't know. Like, I don't know all the, the things that aren't good. And, and I like, I, I wish I could say, well, the offense is humming, but the defense is kind of suspect. It's like, well, at times they are, but then at other times they look just uninspired. Uh, like they don't have an identity, the defense. Yeah. Does it look like an improved unit from last year, even through two games of losses? Yes. But you know, last year was really, really bad. So again, low bar, but then again, tonight they can't stop the run. I mean, it was like they were just getting pushed around. There were moments where it felt like we got out hustled tonight. Uh, like their guys just overpowered, us. I mean, and I don't know how like emasculating that is to an NFL player, but it can't feel great. Um, uh, so it's just, this team has a lot to work on and we're two games in and we still don't have a game in the win column. So it could be a long road this year for us and, and a weird uns, you know, unsurprising to some, but certainly for folks like me, I would be pretty surprised if we really have that much of a dumpster fire of a season, I, I, you know, wasn't expecting this team to go to the Super Bowl, but I was expecting us to flirt with playoffs. Uh, boy, oh boy, at this point, it's uh, it's going to be like, are we going to get a top ten draft pick? I mean, that's a, that's about if unless we fix things, and we can. It's only two games in, but right now there isn't a lot of evidence to suggest that we're turning the ship anytime soon. Well, yeah. I think, Go ahead, Mike. Uh, most of the stuff we're talking about is all fixable things. It, it's yeah. not anything. It's We're a good football team. Like you said, we can't get out of our way. So it, it's a couple, you know, two-game stretch that's bad. But I have a lot of faith still. Um, the defense oh, yeah. is better. Our offense, you know, when we when we put together stuff, it's we can't get in uh, second and long. It's a, you guys said uninspired. Uh, I think it's once we get second and 10 or more, we're pretty much already setting up to, to putt and reset and we just can't yep. get anything on first down. Second down's even worse. And we're making third downs and it's like, wow, this has got to balance out somewhere. We're going to be getting three, four yards on first down. Like we should be getting the rhythm of, cause as soon as you get stuffed on the first down play, that changes the next play call. He had something planned that we're going to hit this for four yards and we're going to go to this. Well, he got stuff for two yard, two yard loss. I got to scramble and find something else for a second long. And it's, it, we're not in that rhythm yet. It's a new running back. It's a new, you know, coaches in, in some aspects, the run game coach I think is new and he's figuring stuff out with the offensive lineman cycling through and not being too strong in the middle anyways. So I'm not, Obviously, I'm upset. I'm not too bummed out about it, though, because I think we have it's a long season. Clearly, we see every year this happens, you know, and uh, we we have the team to be able to to make up for this. That, so I'm not too worried about that. And I think a lot of our run game issues, too, were we were on the field forever. Yeah. And we played well in the first half and then we were just wore out. You could tell Ivan Pace 
who's, you know, has a lot of heart and a lot of soul. He was getting up slow and not because he was injured. He's just moping around. He's tired. And they, they don't have that rotation at the linebacker position to, to be on the field that long. They're, they're young. They're small. They're going to get beat up. You need to be able to rotate them or get them off the field. And we just couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, the defense had to be, you know, they were getting gassed because, I mean, they're constantly on the field. And we, it seemed like all those turnovers came in short clusters. And, uh, you know, that just for a defense, it's deflating, especially when you get them, you know, off of a, especially that one that came off a punt return, right? Where it's like they got, they get them off the field, good defensive stop. And uh, now you're right back out there again. So it's just, yeah, it's rough. Well, and to your guys' point, like, I don't know if you remember seeing the graphic on there when they were talking about how the Vikings uh, point differential from the first three quarters to the fourth quarter a season ago. It kind of seems like there's a little bit of that going on again. The first quarter point differential, also the turnovers in the first quarter, just absolutely terrible. But um, I thought this was a good point by RC Talks Basketball and Caitlin again, go Hawks. Uh, we were scoring when some of the pressure was off, like, oh boy, down by 13, let's score. Oh, down again by 14, let's score. Hopefully that doesn't become habitual. I do agree. I, I think there is some of that where Philadelphia, too, maybe laid off the gas a little bit defensively. And of course, they had injuries in their secondary on their defensive line a little bit, too. But uh, yeah, I think there's I think there's some truth to that. And look at that. Appreciate the post-game coverage analysis. Show rocks. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate or, it. Or lady, depending. Um, yeah, so we don't know. It could be RC know, or Caitlin. That's right. Maybe it is Caitlin Clark just joining yeah. the show. And uh, Caitlin, if it is you, we got to set up an interview. All right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, and then we got Josh. Josh chiming in. Did we discuss how badly Ingram was already? And do we pick up Dalton Reisner to replace him? Also, is there anything that can be done about the D tackles or are we stuck? Well, unless the Vikings make a trade, I think we're stuck with the defensive tackles and the defensive line situation until next year. Um, Dalton Reisner would be great. I think, honestly, you could put a loaf of bread at right guard and you'd probably have a better right guard. <laughs> and I know that sounds terrible, but gosh, Ed Ingram has been so bad. And maybe his PFF grade will be better than I think it was tonight, um, but he had like a 40-something PFF grade in week one. And it's like, man, can and, and, and you know, I think maybe, um, I think maybe Mike mentioned this earlier, that he didn't think the offensive line played all that badly, probably pass protection-wise. Um, and for the most part, I'd agree, but there was a few times, especially in that first half, I think I think in the second half, the Vikings did a much better job of protecting the pass game, but the running game, you could tell, was affected by the lack of good offensive line play, if you will. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, it, again, I go back to this. I talked with Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings for our season preview and he mentioned this too of like <laughs> yep we're bringing back the exact same guys for better or for worse here we go it's basically like the vikings are marrying themselves to this offensive line once again this year 
Christian Derrissaw, Brian O'Neill, solid A type of tackles, but the rest of it is not great. And Bar- Bradbury is not even that good when he's healthy, but he's better than Schlotman, obviously. But uh, Cleveland, I thought, had a couple of whiffs tonight, um, and then Ingram. But, um, yeah, I I will say I I was expecting that Eagles defensive line to have a bigger impact on Cousins than what it did. There was that touchdown pass he threw to Osborne, I think it was, that uh, ended up being, which I think I need to change that in the stats down there, by the way. But um, I do think... I do think that uh, he was pretty close to getting sacked or strip sacked on that uh, touchdown pass to Osborne in the deep red, as they say. But um, well, what they did do is they did a good job, uh, especially in you know early in the game, uh, moving Kirk around, having a lot of movement on the line uh, pre-snap. So I think that was the whole point was to try to keep that defensive line off balance, and ultimately to varying degrees, I felt like it was, it was effective. Um, so yeah, I would agree. That was my biggest concern coming into this game was how is that interior defensive line? That's very good for the Eagles going to basically just, you know, have an all you can eat buffet, uh, with, uh, Ingram and, and, uh, and Cleveland there. Uh, and by the way, Carson, uh, I, I would say that Ingram probably is better uh, than uh, standard, like the bimbo bread. I don't know if you've ever seen the bimbo bread. It's really like light. Uh, I'd say water bread. Yeah, he's better than that. But I would say you put like some 47 grain, like bird Country seed hard. in there. Yeah, they might slip on that. So you might, you might be on to something. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I didn't see Cleveland make too many mistakes. I feel like he's playing better this year, but obviously we need more from that position. It's not, it's not who I want there, but I think he's playing all right. Uh, obviously Ingram, we're never going to see anything he does well because we're not looking for that, but I think he played with more aggression today. If anything, of course, he's still making those mistakes. I think he was a fifth round graded guard that we took in the second round and people were real, real confused. And here we are, still confused. So uh, he's not going to be a he's not going to be a world beater. But great. what I did see is he had some nasty out there to him this week, and hope that continues because we're going to be stuck with him. And if he can be a nasty right guard, that's you know I'll take it for now. Here we are, still confused. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's like a viking that should be like a vikings fan motto right there here we are still confused um but uh yeah i i don't uh i don't totally think in, um cleveland was bad but i i think there was a couple of plays where he biffed and whiffed he got and I think, on that sack he just and, got I, and I, ragged all. yeah yeah and i i think that's the only thing that really concerns me with him um, but a question I have for you guys, and now I know we have quite a few games left here, but do you think that Cleveland is brought back because his contract is up at the end of this season? Uh, starting, starting with you, Mike, back to you. Uh, I, I think if he keeps playing the way he is with all the holes we have already on the O-line, I think it's important to keep the best one of the three and get rid of the rest. Um, and with left tackles going down left and right, he 
he can play tackle. So uh, he's at least the most versatile of those interior linemen. So I think you got to, he's not going to be expensive. Keep him. He knows the system. He knows the team. There's some uh, continuity there. And I think you need to keep it. Our tackles are there for hopefully their careers if they stay healthy. And you're going to need the transition, the veteran transition guy who's going to be there when we, we hopefully draft two, three, four linemen in this next year's draft and, and hope one pick and takes. Um, so I think you keep him because he's not a liability like he was his rookie year where it was a turnstile. It was, you know, he's figuring out the position there or maybe it was the second year. I'm not sure, but uh, he's been improving the, the games I watched last year and even this year. Um, but he's obviously, you know, we want better than that, but he'll do for now. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Tony, before you, I let you go here. The only players in NFL history with 5,000 plus career receiving yards prior to turning age 25. Guess who they are? Randy. And Chris Carter. No, maybe JJ. No. JJ. It just happened. Justin. Jefferson. Oh, I thought I thought there was more on that list. He's second, huh? Okay. Yep. The only two players, the only two players, Justin Jefferson and Randy Moss, with five thousand plus career receiving yards prior to age twenty-five. Yeah. Dude, this guy is special. Um, getting to positive stuff, but uh, quickly, your thoughts on Cleveland coming back at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Mike. I just think that that's kind of how we ended up with the squad we have now is, you know, look, you can love or hate this, uh, you know, the GM and the front office that we have now. But one thing that it definitely doesn't seem like they have any interest in is overpaying for players. And the thing that you always do, almost always <laughs> in uh, free is in free agency is overpay, right? Overpay for middling players so and especially offensive linemen uh so i don't think that they have any interest in overpaying for these linemen that probably are free agents for a reason and um you know i i just think they're they would rather try to you know have a homegrown offensive line that can be cohesive and hopefully you know young enough where we're not getting into a bunch of contract problems so um now people again like to freak out about quasi and all this stuff and look i'm not saying he isn't without uh you know faults or that he doesn't deserve some criticism at this point but let's keep in mind he's only had one season now one full real off season um rick spielman had like 10 years to build an offensive line um <laughs> so uh, if you guys really want slick Rick back, uh, he had about a decade's worth of time and couldn't do it. So I think, I think we can allow Quasi a little bit more time, uh, to try to figure this out. Certainly it is a different approach. So we have to allow for that to happen. Certainly doesn't look like, sorry, Bears fans, but this doesn't look like Ryan Poles. I mean, it doesn't look like this is a, a dumpster fire of a GM hire, at least from my perspective. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, Cleveland probably start comes, for Cleveland probably comes back, but I think they'll address it. I just think they'll try to address it in the draft. And, and as much as I know that's going to hurt a lot of Vikings fans ears, I just see them doing that the way they've 
kind of operated thus far. Did you guys see this? Uh, Sports Center just tweeted out at just 24 years old, Justin Jefferson already has more career receiving yards than any Chicago Bears receiver in the team's history. The Bears played their first NFL game in 1920. Well, they're not known. They're not known for their passing. You would think like uh, Bernard Berrien or somebody would have close to that but it's not even close yeah, yeah no, apparently no. uh apparently he fell a little short i mean technically Until he brandon, came to minnesota maybe i mean, I mean brandon marshall was on the bears yeah, for a little bit you know i don't know well I, he probably went over five thousand after i'm guessing they're not including players that were after that got that after i'm guessing sure sure but just saying yeah. Well, what do you guys think? Do you guys think, uh, sorry, it just, I feel like I could go all night about how much, oh, this team just makes me want to go crazy. Um, he certainly guys... isn't Brad Holmes, says uh, Drew in the comment section. And he is definitely not the man, the myth, the legend himself, Howie Roseman. Like, as much as I can't stand Philadelphia's fan base and I can't stand Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman might be the best GM. I don't know. I, you know, it's hard to say ever. Cause he hasn't, I mean, he's won one super bowl, but I, he's, he's really good. My goodness. He is so good at dealing to get first round picks. He gets Jalen Carter, possibly going to be the best player out of this draft, um, potentially by when it's all said and done. Um, and he just continues to put together great rosters, but anyways, yeah, Nick Sirianni looks like he's probably beat up at least three people at a deli. Like I, I don't know what <laughs> he is. Uh, he spicy mustard, and then cried about it afterwards, right? Yeah, I said no pursuit. Um, anyway, <laughs> he's uh, he looks like a Eagles fan. I think he looks like their fan base, and good for him. You know, like I think that's. I mean, Mike Zimmer kind of looked like a a guy that you'd find ice fishing on Mille Lacs Lake here in minnesota so i guess you know we had that for a little bit uh now we got minneapolis man with the, i don't know kevin <laughs> o'connell um yeah i, I regardless yeah well i don't know we'll see what happens with this team i don't know we it will be interesting to see if they try to address uh some of the offensive line issues they're gonna have a lot of time to do it as mike pointed out we kind of get a little mini buy now uh with it being a thursday game um, so, you know, uh, we're going to have to see this Udo injury, non-contact look like a knee. I'm guessing, you know, he could be seeing some significant playing time, uh, on, uh, the bench. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens looking forward. I think a question got asked earlier. Do I think the Vikings have a chance against the Chargers? Yeah. I mean, if they don't turn the ball over 36 times in the first half, um, then yes. Uh, you know, like it just, that's the way it feels with this team. It's like if they could actually play football, that some semblance of like, looks like you've practiced at some point in time in the last six months, then yeah, I think this team could actually uh, win a ball game. I think they could stay competitive with a lot of teams. Uh, it's just putting it together. And uh, unfortunately, I, I've, I'm old enough as a Vikings fan to have 
remembered seasons like this. And unfortunately for many of them, and I'm not trying to be negative Nancy here. Um, I'm going to, I might be saying the same thing come like week eight or nine and, uh, you know, just is what it is. So we'll see. We have, I, if that happens, I, ho- I just hope we lose a lot of games, guys. That's all I'm saying. Because then we can get a high draft pick and then everybody will be excited again. I just don't want this team to end up with like seven wins. Like that just be so it'd be the most Vikings thing ever is to have a terrible season, but still draft like 15th. <laughs> There's something stupid hey, like that. Hey, you know what, Tony? We have never repeated ourselves on this show. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it's always unique takes. I hope everybody knows that. Every single week I come up with new stuff. Uh, Mike actually has a little zapper, and uh, it's it's. I can't tell you where it is, actually, but he zaps the heck out of me every time I say something the same. Uh, there you go. All right, uh, we got another question here from Drew. What would lead to a Vikings turnaround going forward? Well, he used the magic word, turn overs become extinct like uh that so uh turnovers that that'd be huge um if if you're talking about leading to a turnaround with this roster that is what it's going to take you have to stop turning the ball over like because i don't know if the running game is going to get fixed with this roster um because like i said flores you know with the scheme tonight maybe it'll be better next week i don't know um, but also Philadelphia's offensive lines um, quite a bit better than what Tampa Bay's was. So uh, that was definitely part of it. But I would say don't turn the ball over and start uh, start being able to score in all four quarters. And don't, like uh, I think it was RC Talks Basketball and Caitlin earlier, um, stop with this crap of, um, all of a sudden we're down, we need to come back. All of a sudden we're down, we need to come back. Score often and don't look back. Don't look up until there's zeros in the fourth quarter. Like that's that's my whole thing, like last year too. Like it just seemed like the Vikings played with a sense of urgency more so when they were down. And yes, that led to 11 one-score victories, whatever, but uh, eventually that's not going to happen. Some of the, some of those games, you're not going to have the opportunity to have the ball. Like last week, Tampa Bay just ran the clock out and you can't expect to have the last possession of the game with enough time to go down and score. You can't do that. Kevin O'Connell. I'm sorry. I know he said that last week. Oh, we, I was really hoping we'd have another possession to go out there and score. Yeah. Well, you know what? You could have called three better plays on the final possession you did have. So you wouldn't have to have worried about it. So trying to, trying to be positive though. Um, even though it's extremely hard when you're Owen two and this schedule gets even tougher. Um, Addison has played well. Where does he rank in the draft wide receivers from class, the class feel like he could arguably be the best of the draft class so far uh, too early to tell. Um, I think it's very too early to tell. Um, I mean, I'm curious to see how JSN looks. I think he could be one of those really good ones as well. But uh, yeah, it's too early to tell. But yes, Addison looks really good. I don't know if anybody wants to jump on that. And then we're going to get to closing things out here. Well, I just wanted to say one thing and then I'm going to let Mike talk. Um, You were saying, don't do this. (laughs) 
don't don't turn the ball over. Don't and just reminded me of that uh that scene from the water boy where he's explaining everything and then uh LT's like, and that brings me, me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like with this Vikings team. Like we just watch more like so there's a good example of a team. Yeah. Anyway, Mike, you're up. Uh I just want to touch on the um the 13 points down, then we score that type of thing. I think that's, it's a complicated offense. And Kirk said, so last year he said he felt like he's in grade school. We become more relaxed in that hurry offense, not necessarily no huddle, but hurry to the line. Let Kirk read the defense, call the, call the routes or whatever it is. That's why we're having success there. Nobody's thinking they're going out there and they're running the route. They're playing the game. And I think, uh, we need to incorporate that more than obviously you always say that every week when somebody goes into two minute drill and they're dicing the D up and the defense is playing differently. You're not going to be able to do that, but you don't have to do it like a two minute drill, get to the line and then you can still run the clock, but they're just more comfortable with that faster pace. They get into that huddle and we're moping out Uh, a few times. JJ's getting to the line with two, three seconds left and, at that point, Kirk has no time to read a defense. They just have to snap the ball and run. Um, and in regards to Addison, I think he has the potential, of course, to be the best uh, receiver out of the draft. Zay Flowers looked really good last week with the couple of touches he had. And I think he's real explosive. And I think that's kind of what Addison doesn't necessarily have is that explosive get up and go gear. He's one of the better route runners out of the group, though. Um, and he has a yeah. better opportunity. To, to shine Addison does with JJ there. Uh, he's not going to get, even if he starts torching everybody, they can't get away from JJ. So he's going to have a better opportunity than most of these other wide receivers. Yeah. Um, just want to remind everybody that's watching. Um, if you wouldn't mind, please uh, giving us a like on this video and also subscribing to the show. We'd really appreciate it. Also, we have an audio version of the show. Um, uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, if you'd like that, uh, even though we didn't have a show audio wise this past week, we'll get back on that. Um, quickly here, gentlemen, we're each going to give one game ball out. You can give it to a Viking or an Eagle if you'd like. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give mine out to, I'm going to be the bad guy and give one to an Eagle and I'm going to give it to Deandre Swift, 28 carries, 175 yards, three uh, one touchdown, I should say. Um, and then also he had three catches for six yards. That's the deal breaker right there. Three catches for six yards, baby. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, DeAndre Swift is my player, My gets my game ball. Um, Tony, let's go back to you. Uh, we're just doing one game ball. We're doing two game balls. One game ball. One game ball. Oh, boy. Um, ah. Give it, give it to JJ. Why don't you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could give Mike some low hanging fruit there, um, <laughs> so I'm gonna because I'm a generous uh, host uh, to my co-hosts, and uh, Mike is relatively new to the podcast. So if you're new, by the way, Mike, this is his second episode. Uh, so we love we love having Mike with us. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna be the bad guy. I'm gonna team up with uh, with Carson here. Probably let Mike be the good guy. Uh, I'm going to go with um, 
uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, I thought he obviously had a big game for the Eagles. Um, looked good for them. I mean, what did he end up total wise? Uh, four for one thirty one and one. I mean, that's a heck of a stat line. Um, so, uh, yeah, good, good for him. Good for my fantasy team, um, which still hurts me, um, even though it's good for my fantasy team. So, uh, yeah, that's my game ball. Mike, who do you got? You're going to be the savior for the purple. Well, I'm not going to go JJ. Uh, he did what he does. It's nothing. Uh, if he scores, I'll give it to him, but he fumbled and lost the game for us. So, <laughs> nah, was that? So he's the worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> Daniel Hunter. As uh, you guys mentioned earlier, somebody mentioned yeah. that he's like the only shining star on our D line. And he knows yeah. that. And uh, there's a bunch of times double team. He's spinning. He, he never gave up. And I didn't see him take plays off, even though he's just getting beat and beat and beat to the, to the point where he, he powered his way, efforted his way to three sacks and five tackles and um, yeah. impacted the game as best you could when you're the only name on that line. So uh, hats off to him for not giving. And he looked for a guy on a one-year deal, probably going to leave at the end of the year, or it looks like it at least. He looked upset at the end of the game, like frustrated that we couldn't move the ball uh, at the end of the game there. And I didn't really see that out of him really ever he's kind of a stoic guy and you don't see any emotion but i yeah. i saw That's a good point that it mattered more to him this year it seems than than normal so uh hopefully the d can step up and the d line can help him out or he's gonna get burnt out and probably do the zadarius smith move of last year and just give up halfway through the year yeah well, that's a good point. Uh, as as the stats show down there, and as you said, five tackles, three sacks, and most importantly, helping my fantasy team with 15 and a half points tonight, Daniil Hunter. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Um, those are your game balls. We usually give two, but we're running out of time here, so we just gave – oh, we got plenty more comments here. Two evil to hope. Two and 15. <laughs> We need to trade Hunter. Um, I love that Quazy is tanking the team for us with these bad picks. All right. All right. Collapse <laughs> for Caleb. Collapse for Caleb. Yeah. That's well, the, right. Collapse uh, for Caleb. There you go. If we don't if we don't turn it around by what week five, we start trading. Yeah. It doesn't look, you know, it's gotta be it's going to be here short with an 0-2 start. You're going to have to start thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. especially Hunter on a one-year deal. I I would actually agree with that, to Evil to Hope. I, I would actually agree. Um, My fear is uh, it's JJ. Well, here's the thing. It, it might not be a fear, and we might talk about this at some point. It might not be a fear if you get a haul for him. Yeah, but, the compensation's right. I think the biggest the question. Thing, yeah, I don't. I don't think a. I don't think a mid-season trade happens for, for no, Justin. But depending on how the season goes, I could see them f- at least allowing for some uh, absurd offers uh, in the off season. And and I think they do that all the time. Like 
that's the thing people i know it's an old kind of saying and it's cliche but everybody's got a price it really is true like everybody has a price now if that price is could be it just outrageous and unrealistic that's one thing um but yeah i mean if somebody offered a a big deal i've said it on this podcast before don't zap me mike uh is that it it really is like you know you you buy low sell high and unless you truly feel the vikings are on the verge of winning a super bowl his stock's not going to be really any higher than it is right now well what's so, um what's jj's motivation to stick it out through a rebuild well exactly like, will, will he start requesting a change he, if we trade we we're not playing well we trade the, he's the young Neil. that would be my that would be my comeback to that he's young enough where you know he could he could stick it out he's probably i mean like luke braun said in our show like the hope would be that he's still playing at a high level 10 years from now now maybe that's really high hopes but this is um, not Tom Brady of the receiver room. But I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's right. He's the best in the league. He's playing at the, you know, at that level. He's gonna think differently than that than that. He's young. You know what I mean? He he's gonna take advantage of him being the best in the league right now. And it's that's that's worst case scenario with it. But yeah, it is yeah. a possibility or a thought. It, and I, I do think they'll probably flirt with a little bit of that. It's really just going to be dependent on how the season goes. And uh, again, average draft position uh, that they're going to have for, uh, you know, this next year in the rounds, you know, uh, or, you know, when we look at where they're going to end up, because uh, they're going to need to accumulate picks. And they're going to need to figure out what they're going to do at the quarterback position. I mean, oh my goodness, we're now we're talking about uh, next off season already. So probably <laughs> the fan base is going to come and the pitchforks are going to come out if I start doing that. But um, yeah, it is a thought. That's for sure. Got Grandizer jumping in. Appreciate the comment, Carson Daly. Um, funny story. I actually talked and interviewed Carson Daly's wife. And I don't remember her name. <laughs> um, that was when I worked at a radio station in Southwest Iowa. But uh, so I, I made sure to tell her to tell Carson hello from another Carson, even though he has no idea who I am. Um, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars can make people happy no matter where they're at. It's true. That's true. Not the great. But here's the thing. No, Carson, Carson Daly. I I think you're joking there. Carson Daly's <laughs> wife. I don't remember her name, but uh, yeah, she's not my wife, <laughs> even though he called me Carson Daly. But anyways, um, yeah, I think it, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if, if, if the money is going to be that big of a deal for Jefferson. I don't know if you're going to go that in that route, Tony, but like Jefferson's going to have, I mean, we're already seeing it on TV, all these endorsement deals. Do you really think money is his top priority? Obviously he wants to get paid and obviously he wants to, you know, reset the market and all this stuff. But with all his endorsement deals that he has and will get, I think he wants to win more than anything. Like that's ultimately what I think he wants. And he's said that he wants to win. Um, so yeah, Tony, what were you going to say there? Well, something similar. I mean, look at Tyreek Hill. I mean, 
the guy's making a boatload of money and is in a better situation in Miami than he would be here in Minnesota. So those two things aren't mutually exclusive. He can go get paid somewhere and be on a team that is contending. And I don't think that he's not smart enough to figure that out. Um, You know, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't, to me, he looks like too much of a competitor where the losing, I don't think he'd be, he'd, he'd be good with just being on a mediocre team and being the guy. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't see it. I'd see too much, too much frustration with him when things aren't going well for the team, because the thing is, and I'm sure like every player, he wants the ball, but boy, you know, here's the difference between like a guy like Diggs and a guy like Justin Jefferson. I don't really see him flipping out when we're winning and he's not necessarily getting fed the ball, but he gets visibly frustrated when plays break down and he feels like the offense should be moving. Um, even if the ball's not coming to him. So um, he wants to win. I mean, the guy's a competitor for sure. So I don't think he necessarily would prioritize. I mean, it's not like he's not going to make money. It's not like, not like he's, you know, still he's like going to make it's, money wherever he goes, maybe even more yeah. if he's not in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's looking at McDonald's uh, or, you know, millions and millions of dollars if he doesn't or if he stays. So, yeah, no, I I, I think that uh, the team obviously wants to keep him. Here's the other thing, too. You have to remember this is a business. And so, like, with the Wilfs, for instance, and Carson and I talked about this a little bit off uh, the air, when the whole Rodgers thing happened on Monday, of course, a lot of the speculations, like, are they going to try to go get a veteran, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, in the Vikings. Trade Kirk to the Jets. Yeah, the Vikings, you know, universe. You, you had a little bit of that floating around. Like, do you think <laughs> anytime there's an opportunity, anytime yeah. there's an opportunity, ah, he's hurt. Call Kirk cousins. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we got a call. Yeah. But, yeah, but Kirk cousins Kirk isn't cousins. any good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, right, this, right. Here's the other thing though, is people will say like, yeah, but what if they were willing to pay like an, an absurd, you know, value, meaning like, let's say they offer like two firsts for Kirk or something like that. You, you'd be stupid um, to not do that. See, this is first, this. But in see, my this opinion, is, this is the thing, though, is that he's going to do it. And they wouldn't. They won't. And I'll tell you why it wouldn't happen, because the Wilfs understand that if we were to execute that trade, we're going to what start Mullins? What are we going to start? Jaron Hall? Like, basically, you're conceding the season at that point. Just like, it's over. We're going to have a terrible product for the rest of this year. And they're going to lose out on a lot of, like, I mean, the fan base, I think we're good fans, but any fan base is fickle enough if they feel that the team just doesn't give a you-know-what, and they're just like, why even watch this year? And that, they have zero interest in in uh throwing a season or tanking uh that's why i mean you saw them not blow up this roster when they moved on from zimmer they wanted this competitive rebuild and part of that is they need butts and seats it's an entertainment business so you can't knowingly put out a for lack of better way to put it crap product and then expect people to keep shelling out money they know people won't do it so the motivation would be they don't you know, yeah, that, same thing with Justin Jefferson. Well, I think it makes some sense. I mean, he's the draw, right? Like he's he puts the Vikings on the map right now. No matter how bad the Vikings are, the Vikings could literally go two and fifteen this year, 
And still, every fan in the NFL would be like, oh, it's Justin Jefferson. He plays for the Vikings. You know, that matters to an ownership group. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you, Too Evil to Hope. You said you saw Ziggy Wolf, but I'm curious if you actually went up and talked to him and said, why don't you tank? Why don't you collapse for Caleb? Collapse for Caleb, Ziggy. It's the only way. Um, but no, I, I made this point to you earlier this week, uh, Tony. Like, here's the reason the Wilfs, I think, don't want to rebuild and start this process over again. They're old. Like, Ziggy and Mark are pretty old. They're getting up there in age. At least Ziggy is. Um, it's like they don't want to sit around for another rebuild. And even though I think if they did the rebuild the right way, it could end up being a quicker turnaround to a championship than the way they're doing it right now. But we'll see. I don't, I don't, I, maybe we don't need to go full bears, but you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. When you're 0-2 with the, with this competitive rebuild roster, it's like, well, what are you doing for yourself here? I mean, they were strapped for money coming into it or, you know, uh, this coaching staff and the GM Quezzy. They had no they had no moves they could make last year. And they had very few moves they could make this year. But next year, it looks like we have uh, a good amount of cap space opening up with it increasing and the, some of the moves they did. So past few years, it was almost... Uh, I wouldn't say impossible. It was really difficult to do anything to improve this roster. So uh, I, if I'm right about that, and I think I am, I've been more patient with that because I don't know where they're going to go at guard. You know, who, who are we going to get at guard right now? That's better than who we have. And there may be a few people better. Told but you there's... you got to get that country hearth bread, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, there was not much to do and there still isn't, but next year there's, there's more moves that can be made, but we're, we're still a good team. You know, uh, yeah. I didn't think a lot needed to be done. There's just a few holes that are very glaring that all the talent we have around it, we're not able to showcase it because we just, the, the middle of the line is very important. And the middle of the defense is very important and we're weak at both of them. And that just takes time to build, especially when you have no money. And you yeah. want to keep your superstars. It's maybe we could trade a few to get that, but where you train Daniil for more defensive linemen, uh, it's not a very good trade off. Or maybe a linebacker, a veteran Cheaper linebacker, defensive but... lineman, maybe. That's true. Yeah, that's the, that. That's the thing. I think they would be looking to get, or maybe multiple picks, you know, in return. But yeah, it's that's the thing. They like you said, Tony. I think it was you that said they don't really want to spend a whole lot of money on some players. Hawkinson and Jefferson would be excluded from that. And obviously the quarterback position where they've spent money on Kirk, but yeah, in general, I would say a lot of the other positions, they don't really want to um, spend a lot of money. And part of it is they don't really have the opportunity to spend much money as Mike was mentioning too. Like finally we have a little bit of cap space this coming off season, um, but it's still only like 40 to 46 million or something. And that's like with, uh, like adjusted to like everything, like in terms of like Jefferson's contract and different things and TJ's contract or whatever. But um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this off season. 
this is going to be an interesting offseason, just like this past one was, even though I thought maybe more things would happen this past offseason. I also thought that two offseasons ago, I thought they were going to totally rebuild. And as Too Evil to Hope has mentioned, uh, there has not been a Vikings rebuild, and I totally agree. I don't think we've ever seen, oh, finally we're going to tank, even though technically I guess you could say the 3-13 and season with Leslie Frazier, but was that really a tanking? Like, I don't think they were hoping to go three and 13 that year, but, uh, would we get Matt Khalil on for that traffic? That's right. Uh, well, no, uh, 2012 or I think was Khalil or 2011 maybe, but, uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but, um, it was, yeah, no, actually you might be right because Khalil was a top five pick, right? So yeah, yeah that could have been third. Yeah. Fourth, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever it was. Freaking Matt Khalil. <laughs> but his brother's pretty good. Yeah, that's 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 right. That's right. At yeah. least one of them. At least one of that's them. That's how you right. know Matt Khalil's gonna be really his good. Pizza's his, pretty good. His brother's good. His his pizza's Ma- pretty good, Tony, right? Do you didn't you say that he had a pizza place? Yeah, he did. He started some pizza chain. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I haven't had it though. I think it's Neapolitan pizza, which I do enjoy. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's uh, real to real quickly take a look here. We are going way longer than I thought we would. Take a look at this schedule here uh, before we end um, this broadcast here. Uh, so you got the Chargers, you got the Panthers, and the Chiefs and the Bears. So ideally, gentlemen, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Ideally, you're going three and three into that week seven game against San Francisco. That's the ideal scenario. I mean, obviously, yeah, it'd be great to be four and two, but that's I don't think that's going to happen. But what do you guys think of this schedule? Uh, Do you think there's an outside chance they – they are able to get back to 500 after those six games. I think they could. Um, I don't know how sustainable it is. I mean, look, I said this at the beginning of the season. Here's one thing. I, I'll just leave it with a little silver lining here. Um, I said, I thought this team would end up at about 10 and seven. Um, and then I, I, after last week, I said, well, that was with us winning the Bucks game. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll just cut it back one and say nine and eight. Um, but I had us losing to Philly. So I, I still think this team could be in that range. I just, uh, you know, is that going to be enough for a playoff berth? Mm, I mean, you're really flirting with it. I think you got to get to double-digit wins. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't think it's unrealistic, Carson. I just think that this team has to got to clean up. They, they've got to clean it up. It's just the mistakes, the undisciplined nature of this team right now is uh, they don't they don't look like they deserve to win almost any game on the schedule until they clean that up. To me, they really have to make hay from week eight to week 14 if they're going to have any shot of getting to double-digit wins. Like when they play Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, and Las Vegas, like they have to they have to win almost all of those games 
I think, if they're going to really have a shot to get to double-digit wins because the rest of the schedule is just daunting. Well, I would say this. daunting. I would say in the short term for me, I'm not looking too far ahead. Obviously, we're only two games in. I just think the next two games are going to be really critical because I I do think – well, I do think the Chargers are not a bad team, obviously – um, they're a they're a more beatable team in my opinion than the Eagles, and uh, certainly Carolina with them still testing out a brand new quarterback, um, trying to figure things out. That's a winnable game. So I just think in the short term, let's try to go two zero in the next two games. See where we're at. I know Casey's a tall task, but you know if, if we're one and three, certainly zero and four. I mean, at that point, it's kind of like who cares? So let's worry about this next two games. Yep. Um, and, um, I think if we can get to two and two, then we can start to really figure things out and, and figure out how we can get back into a uh, competitive place. Yeah. I mean, Mike. I was looking through that schedule and I gotta be honest, guys, I don't see another loss. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Allen. Yeah. I mean, we are on pace. We are on pace to go. I don't We're see one. 15 and two. I mean, We're gonna uh, put it together. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, eliminate turnovers. This game, we we have very few penalties, so that's one one aspect that we we were struggling with week one that we fixed. Now it's just the turnover, and we we win this game going out, uh, going away. We win last week going away. Why can't that just happen the rest of the year? We just eliminate the turnovers. And yeah, we're undefeated. We're- we're we're not turning the ball over the rest of the year. It's written in stone already. You know you can't throw two hundred <laughs> interceptions or have four hundred turnovers in a season. You're only you know it's twenty plus thirty plus. We've already got half. We're already halfway there. So yep. Look for the the rest of the season to be turnover free. There you go. Uh, we got Vic in the building. Uh, he's an Eagles fan. I wonder if Vikings fans notice the one thing they lack is the one thing Mike Zimmer preached from the ball and play stout defense. And I, I think we talked about that earlier a little bit, kind of more so with the discipline side of things, uh, Vic, where the Vikings are not really that disciplined of a team. And that's always the problem with a player's coach, I feel like, most of the time is like, can they get over the idea of – um, not being able to discipline their team and like show, okay, hey, uh, you guys actually can't stay up till midnight. I'm not saying that, but that they're doing that. But you know what I mean? Just like something like that, you know, like a parent. No, you're going to bed and you're going to like it, you know, like that kind of attitude. I mean, maybe not quite that harsh, but you know what I mean? Like you, KOC's got to have a backbone. He can't just let the players do whatever they want. I know they're professionals. I know they're in the NFL, but you gotta you gotta have some sort of a discipline, uh, disciplinary system put in place when players um, don't do anything or when players do things. Um, and I don't even think like for the Jordan Addison thing, maybe there was some sort of a punishment internally, but like. Just just as a, as an example, like when he had that speeding ticket, did the Vikings punish him? Like I don't think they punished him for that. Like, just, was just something I'm throwing out. No, yeah, his, his hamster was uh, uh, having a tough time with its geometry homework. Um, yeah, I, I <laughs> sorry, I, I didn't buy the dog thing. The, the dog thing sounded like the most ridiculous excuse I've ever heard. And you know, maybe. I had to go number two. 
Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know where he was at. I wouldn't have wanted to stop at any of those gas stations either. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess uh, I appreciate the comment, Vic. I, one thing I would say, like, I get where you're coming from, but that Zimmer defense was horrible the last two years, which is the reason why he True. he left uh, or he got the boot. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, yes. I mean, Zimmer, the big thing was, you know, it was playing – good smart defense and trying to be mistake free the problem was is that uh that works really well on the defense but the way the offenses are set up especially in this day and age in the nfl you can't um impose the mistake free thing with most quarterbacks i mean unless you're talking about like even a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers would probably just give you the middle finger uh, back in his prime. If you're like, so uh, Aaron, you just don't make any mistakes because um, you need these guys to be able to sling it. And, uh, you know, I'm again, I'm not a Kirk Stan. Uh, I'm not a Kirk hater, but I truly believe uh, it did set Kirk back having those few years with, with Zim because Zim hated Kirk. And that was basically it was just don't screw up. And that's a really kind of a crappy spot to put your your uh, quarterback in when they feel like they have to be perfect. Then they become conserva Kirk, and uh, and all you get is Mister Checkdown City, and your offense is just vanilla and boring, and you can't do anything. And then the guy gets rattled because he's f- always afraid of making a mistake instead of trying to take a risk. Uh, so, eh. but yes. Discipline, there's some question marks. I'm not going to say it yet. I'm not going to say I'm selling AOC as like he can't get this team together at all. We're still way too early for that. I'm just saying that there are some signs that it could be an issue, and, I'm, and I just hope he figures it out. I, that's honestly where I'm at. It's just like not saying it's a thing, just saying before it becomes a thing, let's hope he can figure it out. Well, I think you, you right. bring in uh, Brian Flores real quick. To, to help with that, you would imagine, yeah. right? He's going to be the right. guy who's not going to let any of this crap slide. So he's new to it. Maybe he doesn't have his voice yet in the in that coach's room like you would expect, but that's why you bring him in, not just his defensive uh, mind, but to get some of that uh, Zimmer-esque uh, talking to's. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yep. Well, we got Israel. He wants us to acknowledge the Eagles. Well, we talked about them earlier, uh, Israel. Yes, yes, we know you beat us. This is not an Eagles channel, though. Uh, this is a Vikings channel. Uh, didn't know if you knew that. Um, appreciate the appreciate you coming over here. But um, uh, if you do want to check it out, I was on an Eagles podcast for two hours earlier oh, this gosh. week. And uh, and we got to talk a lot about the Eagles. You don't need us to tell you guys are a good team. Just watch ESPN or any of the other outlets. They'll tell you how great you are. Uh, I just thought it was funny that the Eagles fan base, at least the one that I was speaking with for a couple hours, was so pissed off that uh, that they won in the fashion that they did last week. And uh, I just kept thinking to myself, like, man, this is like, must be this nice. Like a, huh? This is this is like a homeless person listening to people complain about the Wi-Fi being down. Like it was like, come on, come on, guys. This house is just too warm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wish there was. I wish you could open the window and have a breeze. For goodness' sakes. 
<laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't want to let the bugs in as I'm outside sleeping in my Magnavox box. That's right. That's right. Oh, good stuff. Well, that is going to do it for the Skull Purple Podcast Fan Express line. We're going to get the audio posted for our audio listeners. Um, once again, thank you all for joining us. Um, sorry, it's not an Eagles podcast. Uh, maybe we do wish it was, um, question mark. But uh, we ride with our team no matter what happens, and we know that a lot of bad things happen um, because it's it's the Vikings. So uh, we, we know. We know. Um, <laughs> but that is going to do it for the show. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Tony. Thank you all for watching. And as always, Skull. Skull. Skull.